So tonight um, we have a, a special event. Um, our beloved executive director, Sebene Selassie, who's teaching tonight in the small room, um, is, uh, how shall I say this? She's embarking on a new period in her life, in her journey. And so we're going to celebrate that. She'll be, her last day as uh, executive director of New York Insight will be on Friday. So we will be celebrating her, celebrating her and all that she's brought to New York Insight and um, sending her on her way with a great uh, hip hip hooray, right? So the, so the, the uh, program will be a little bit different than our usual format. Tonight we'll sit until 7.30, and, um, which is about 25 minutes, and then we'll stand or do some stretching for about five, uh, uh, about 10 minutes. And um, they'll join us in the, from the small room in, at 7.45 and uh, we'll have inquiry for just 45 minutes, so I'll end at 8.30. So just so that you're not surprised when the program varies. And of course, you're very welcome to stay and help us celebrate uh, Sebony. She's done an amazing job of, um, in so many, on so many different fronts at, at New York Insight, and so we're sad that she's leaving and really happy for her that she's um, she's embarking on this new um, phase in her life. So let's sit together. honoring and celebrating Sebene tonight. And one of the things that she's really been so instrumental in in, uh, in the three years that she's been here is really strengthening um, community. And I think the gathering tonight is a, is a testament to that. So I just want to briefly um, Welcome everyone and uh, say how glad we are that you're here, all of us together, because nobody owns New York Insight. Actually, it's owned by everyone who walks through the door. As you come in through the door, you become a part of our community, even if we never see you again, or even if you go away for 15 years and come back uh, later. So one of the ways in which um, 
we support New York Insight is by giving our time as our two volunteers. Please, uh, would you introduce yourselves? And deep bows to you for, um, for giving your time and, and your care. Uh, so we support New York Insight by uh, donations, by giving time, by giving of our presence in community, and by giving uh, money. It's, and we express it as an ecology of gifts that when we come through the doors here, we let go of the economy of exchange where you give this much and you get that much. And instead, we all agree to uh, cultivate and develop a heart of kindness and generosity. And one of the ways that we express that is through giving. So if you're so moved tonight, um, there are baskets here and in the other room that you can uh, leave a donation, and we're very grateful for them. And the donations are used for uh, the upkeep of New York Insight, as well as to um, support the teachers. So thank you. And on Tuesday nights, before I start, I just want to um, acknowledge that tonight we have several of our teachers here, some board members and, uh, and peer leaders. So would the teachers please stand up? Hmm. So there's Tracy, Angela, Sandra, George, Lanny, Charmaine, John, and Gengari. Elaine, I didn't see you because Angela was blocking you. And of course, Sebene is here, but she's hiding. There she is. Uh, and we have board members here too. So would the board members also please stand? So Sandra, John, and that's it. Okay, that's it. And me, moi. <laughs> um, and our peer leaders. I know we have some peer leaders here. So Rafi, Brian. Todd, you're not standing? Okay. Dalila, and who else is here? So thank you also for your service. So on Tuesday nights, we, um, when I come, I like to uh, just do some reflection on questions that you have about practice or about uh, the teachings, and it's not as if you have the questions and I have the answers, but that we can reflect together and perhaps understand something uh, more deeply. So please, especially if you're a beginner and you've just gotten instructions for the first time tonight, you're very welcome to ask any question. There is no question that, seem, that is too simple or too much of a beginner or um, that we won't find some opportunity to reflect on the Dharma. So please. 
So could you tell me your name? Hi, it's Abe. Abe, hi, Abe. Um, oh, I, I hate microphones. I'm um, sorry? No, I said I don't like microphones, but that's okay. You don't like what? Microphones. Microphones. But that's fine. I can deal with it. Um, <laughs> George said something. Um, the last time he, was he, he spoke and taught, he mentioned three um, aspects. The meditation, then he mentioned wisdom, and then he mentioned skillfulness. So my question, I suppose, of thinking is, okay, meditation, I'm practicing that more and more. How do we, you know, the wisdom part, does that just come? <laughs> or, or, you know, and the skillfulness, does that just come out of doing the other things? Or is there a way for us to cultiv cultivate these other aspects more, um, more, I don't know, more practicing, is there ways to, specific ways to cultivate these um, aspects? So what's your, I'm, I'm going to let meditation go for the moment yeah. and ask you what your understanding of wisdom is and what your understanding of skillfulness is. Well, the, the skillfulness that I got was um, being able to apply the wisdom part um, into everyday situations, and obviously sometimes that's not easy to do, um, especially, you know. Yeah. yeah, and so I think all that's really whew, not easy. And what's, when, and what's your understanding of wisdom? Uh, well, I think I'm a little vague about what, what okay. yeah, I, I want to get more clarity about specifically what that means. And how long have you been practicing? Now, um, I'd say it's been almost a year now, like, but, you know, mm -hmm. I think more, more seriously, like, you know, these last eight months or something mm -hmm. like that. When you say seriously, what do you mean? I mean, I think I'm sitting every day pretty much mm -hmm. and, like, I'm doing like at least a half an hour, 45 minutes of somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, unless I get too really caught up and mm -hmm. then, you know, but pr really pretty, pretty good, pretty regularly. And have you been doing any studying? I would say not. Mm -hmm. okay. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, George, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think George was referring to something called the Eightfold Path, right? which has three limbs, and the three limbs are uh, wisdom, meditation, and integrity. And he, he may have, uh, and the, the Pali word is sila, he may have translated sila as skillfulness rather than as integrity or morality. There are several ways that it can be translated. And what, one of the things that I think we find when we practice is how intention actually drives so much of our lives, right? what our intention is. And we also begin to understand a little bit when we are practicing meditation, have, have you noticed anything that um, you understand differently or more deeply since you've been, med you've been practicing meditation? Well, I think it, um, 
I don't you know, I suppose I could say certain specific things, but I would just say that it has an overall profound effect, you know, and in that sense, it impacts everything. Mm -hmm. So what's some, the profound effect? Well, I just, uh, well, let's see, how do we articulate that one? Um, more centered, more grounded, more focused, more clear, more more in the moment, more mm. less caught in the in in the, the compulsive thinking, more uh, directed, more you know, less you know, as stirred up when I get stirred up in the way that I get caught, le less you know, even in getting caught up, you know, it's just like that. It you know, there's just anybody else notice those things in practice. Put your hand up. Okay, so something's happening, Definitely. right? Really. And, w and we can say that um, some of those things that you talked about, so being less caught up or um, being more grounded, being more focused, that some, a kind of wisdom does appear. And so there's something that happens in practice where wisdom begins to develop, yes? And... Uh, there's also an intentional way in which we can uh, begin to develop wisdom. First of all, to study it. And when I say study it, I don't necessarily mean to intellectualize about it. But begin to understand in your relationships, in your life, in daily life, you know, at work, um, in your relationships, in your parenting, what everything that you do, um, you can be, if, you're, if you're using your meditation practice, not only as a formal practice in that 30 or 45 minutes that you mentioned, but that as you come off of the cushion, and you're, as you said, you were more in the moment and you were, you were, you were feeling yourself being more aware in the moment, as you're looking from that perspective, from that contemplative perspective, do you begin to see how impermanent everything is? Have you noticed that in your meditation? Just a little? Microphone. Yeah, I would say, you know, I don't say that to myself so specifically. Ah. You know what I mean? Oh, gee, it's all impermanent. Oh. As I'm walking around, uh -huh. but you know, I uh -huh. suppose that's that's a fact. Uh huh. How do you know it's a fact? Because things are not permanent; they're, not, they're changing. They're changing right? all the. Somebody we were talking today, and somebody said <laughs> the only thing that's permanent is impermanence. Yeah. Right. That's the only thing that lasts is impermanence. And I think you know certainly in all the moments of trying to hold on to whatever and all of those, all that stuff, you know, certainly had a lot of that stuff. So some wisdom is beginning to appear. Mm. So there is a way in which your mm. meditation practice can actually, as you know, coming back to your question, can actually begin to reveal mm. uh, wisdom. And one of, the, one of the ways in which the Buddha talked about wisdom was noticing the characteristics of reality or phenomena or existence. Mm -hmm. And there are three of them. Mm 
-hmm. which is that everything is impermanent, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Do you know what the other two are? Mm -hmm. Okay. So everything is impermanent. Everything is, um, there, everything has a, everything in this life has a suffering component, mm -hmm. an unsatisfactoriness yes. about it. Yeah, no matter how much we try to get everything <laughs> perfect, it never seems to quite eh, can, fit, right? I can very relate And to so there's, there's, there's that. And then there is something that's a little bit more difficult which is that there is uh, an insubstantiality because of the impermanence of things and because of the unsatisfactoriness of them, we begin to notice that if we really look deeply that everything that we have constructed mm -hmm. about this being and all of the other beings with whom we, uh, whom we encounter we begin to see that there's a kind of insubstantiality. If we try to hold on to anything, it disappears. It starts to change and shift, that nothing stays permanently. And so because of this impermanent nature, we, if we really look deeply, we start to see how insubstantial this world is, like the Diamond Sutta in which it says, thus should ye see this fleeting world a star at dawn, a flickering lamp, a flash of lightning in a summer sky, a bubble in a stream, a phantom in a dream. So we begin to see that. And it's not that we're conceptualizing about it, but then what does that compel you to do in terms of how you live your life? But, in, but one of the ways that we begin to realize this is we start to really listen closely to the teachings and perhaps do our own studies. And they point, they point us towards life. They point us to looking at life to see it as it really is rather than through the veils of delusion that we have created in order to create some satisfactoriness out of this unsatisfactoriness. And when we're pointed to these things, it's not for belief or for us to, to, to grasp onto some other hard, substantial truth, but to actually look to see, is this true? What's my experience? And if you're having a, a truly deep contemplative practice, that begins to reveal itself to you. And to just touch on integrity or morality, it's very difficult once we begin to see the true nature of this life. It's very difficult to, um, to, to, to continue to harm ourselves and others. And so we look to see how we can live a life of integrity, a life in which we give everyone with, with that we encounter the gift of fearlessness. And that gift of fearlessness is to, is to live according to some principles of not killing, not stealing, not lying, not um, becoming so um, uh, intoxicated that we do what's unwise and not to use sexuality as a way of harming. I also feel that uh, fearlessness, when you mention that, 
to me what comes up is, and what I was going to say was, I want to I be fully engaged. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I want to be fully, more fully, totally engaged, bringing myself more fully to all that I'm doing. So one of the things, one of the ways that you can do that is by noticing what prevents you from doing that. Right? Rather than trying to force your way into becoming completely engaged, is to just notice what stops me. What stops me? I suppose what I was going to say on that is that meditation, you know, counterintuitively in some strange way, helps you so much with that because you're not as grabbing, you know? Beautiful. So, you know, it's like that. It's like trying, not trying, not trying. To, you know, it's like that Beautiful. strange thing, you know. Thank you. So anyway, thanks. Hi, my name is David. Hi, David. Hi. Um, I, I was thinking about, and I've been thinking about it for a while, uh, approaching uh, suffering as a, a means of practice, not just... You know, I hope I get over it someday kind of thing. You know, if I, if I bliss Pretty out, I won't suffer yeah. as much, you know. Um, and I notice one thing I can do is, is, as I practice more, is sometimes just sit with the suffering. Or I, even if it's not dramatic suffering, just loneliness or, or irritation or, or whatever it is, or just a, a little down mood. And uh, it, it, it seems... Um, takes a lot of courage for me just to sit with it. It's very easy to run off and in one way or another do some little thing to get myself out of it. You know, go visit some friends, watch a movie, blah, blah, whatever. Um, and uh, I was thinking about the amount of time just sitting with that and what it feels like. And sometimes it feels like it's almost never ending or then it's a little fearful. Um, that kind of thing. And I just was, in general, looking for ways to work with that in practice, uh, other, other than just the tip I give to myself, which is just sit with it. Uh, just last? sit with it. Just sit with the dissatisfaction. So what, what possessed you to uh, want to just sit with it? Oh, okay. Um, I, I had been reading Joko Beck, oh. uh, right? And uh, as in, you know, abandon all hope. You who ever hear, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, just sit with hopelessness, right? Mm -hmm. And at times that feels really well, good. Just a second. Yeah. So when you say just sit with hopelessness, what do you mean by that? Not try to get out of it. I, I didn't mean in meditation necessarily. Oh, that, that's mm -hmm. part of it. What I meant is not do something to get out of it. Um, at night, if I'm feeling a little antsy, or uh, uh, I don't even mean big major feelings, although mm -hmm. I could include that, but mm -hmm. feeling a little antsy, oh, you know, I'll, I'll watch this segment so what of do you something see? on TV. So what do you see when you watch it, when you sit with it? When I sit with it, uh, more dissatisfaction, and I don't know how long it's going to last, which is the kind of the disturbing thing, although it's always impermanent. It always goes away, and I have other moods, which are just great and sometimes blissful, but when I'm with it, it, I wonder if it's ever going to go away. And? And it does. You know, over and over again, you know. And then what happens? 
and then I'm, I, I'm, you know, feeling good for a while, and then I'm feeling dissatisfied for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know, it's a, it's a pattern, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And what have you learned about unsatisfactoriness? Uh, it's, it, what I've learned is it's a lot more impermanent than I thought. I used to be worried that if I got into so a wait mood... A second. Yeah. So if you're sitting with, with unsatisfactoriness, yes. what do you notice? Well, I notice that it doesn't feel good. Well, okay, that's very general. Uh -huh. I'd like you to get specific. Okay, let, let, let me talk about uh, loneliness. Like I'm, I'm thinking of taking a... I, I take a trip every year to the Adirondacks and usually camp alone for like four or five days. And... It, it, you know, out in this lake, and, and it feels wonderful for a while, just, just really wonderful. And then about a couple <laughs> days into it, you know, all of a sudden I'm like really lonely. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, you know, going back home and seeing my friends and my wife and family. And, mm -hmm. But I don't do that, you mm -hmm. know, and I just feel really, really lonely. Mm -hmm. And how does the loneliness feel? Um, it, let's see. Um, it sort of feel like like a weight in my body. Where? On my chest, shoulders, mm -hmm. sometimes my back. How long does that last? Hour or two, maybe. Really? Yeah. It doesn't change. Oh, it, 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 you know, uh, it, it, it kind so of. So it doesn't last an hour or two then. Okay. I mean, I would label it as loneliness for an hour or two, but the. The, the nature of the loneliness is not constant. Ah. Yeah. So that's interesting, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yes. Or do you find it not interesting? No, I think it's really interesting. And then of what Of course, happens? when I get into it, I, I, I am not as observant of it changing, which, ah. is, which is I know that that's part of practice, you know, to observe what's going on with me. How um, do you know that's a part of practice? What's, what's that about? Well... The idea of noting things that are happening to you as you would, uh, you know, your breath or the sounds or whatever is going on. Okay, so you said the idea uh -huh. of noting things right. that are happening to you. Right. It's an idea. Well, yeah, it's something I try to remember as an idea. Sometimes it slips away from me and I okay. don't notice so, things. So there's a difference between an idea okay. and a... Um, and a practice. All right. Right? Okay. So, you know, as teachers, and if any of the other teachers disagree with me, they can speak up. Mm. But as teachers, we really sincerely, sincerely hope, hope mm -hmm. that when we say be aware from moment to moment to moment, that that's what you'll do. Okay. So that when things change, it's a, that's a very profound thing to understand. Mm -hmm. But it's not an idea. Yes. Okay. 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 What it is, is the, is the very fabric of our existence mm. is completely dynamic. Right. It's not static. Mm -hmm. So when we're lonely, there's, there's a lot of um, texture yeah. to loneliness and any other state of mind or energy that you want to name right. there is texture there is color mm -hmm. 
there is uh, light and shadow, there is sound, mm -hmm. there is um, volume, there is loudness and softness. Okay. There is so much uh, richness in any what we call a state of mind right. is actually a dynamic movement and flow mm -hmm. of energy, vibration, heat, light, so many um, qualities that we can notice and that and, it, and we're not just when somebody says sit with it which is not an expression I use okay. but I know some teachers use it but, and I think that what their intention is because that would be my intention if I were to use that phrase is that we want you to have a really rich understanding of what it means to be human. So it doesn't matter if you take loneliness or joy or depression or elation or success or failure or illness or health. It doesn't matter in many ways to practice what the object is. What is really important is the quality of your attention. So, it, so these are not really, they're, yes, they're concepts, but they're not ideas of how to practice, but actually instructions of how to practice. So if we're taking loneliness, for instance, right? What does it actually feel like in your chest when you say, I can feel it in my chest? Well. There may be tightness, there may be vibration, that you may feel clouds of darkness in your chest, you may feel um, throbbing, heat, cold, stabbing, all kinds of things are going on. And pretty much, if, you're, if you really pay exquisite attention to any state of mind, any state of heart, we begin to understand what is actually happening that we call, quote, loneliness, right? So if we call it loneliness and we dismiss it as that, then we're liable to be completely reactive and, as you said, go home, do this, watch the television, do this. And we miss this great opportunity to understand this mind-body-heart that we call David, right, Abe whatever we call ourselves. That, that's a, that's a, a collection of feelings and uh, physical sensations and emotions and thoughts. And when we start to pay attention, we begin to break them down and understand what is this feeling of loneliness. It's complex, it's not simple. It's not just, oh, I'm lonely. There's a whole lot going on, and can you really get interested in that? And then what you'll find is that you don't have to correct it, you don't have to make something happen, but your, your wise response to, quote, loneliness will produce itself. That somehow we'll begin to know what needs to be done. And perhaps what needs to be done 
is simply knowing loneliness. Or perhaps what needs to be done is, you know, oh, it would be really wonderful to call my wife and tell her how much I love her. Or maybe it's to pack up and go home, right? But, you, but how do we know what the wise response is if we don't actually know what we're dealing with? Do you understand? Yeah, I do. I, I think that this, for me, that some of the skill, I, I, I do feel that in looking at those states like loneliness. I find it's a lot easier to examine some really positive state, like I'm really enjoying this meal and I can savor every taste, you know, and, and feel the waves of pleasure. Um, notice how much you're grasping at it. And I'm too. grasping at it, and then with something that's negative, of course, what's stopping me from skillfully examining it uh, uh, and, and feeling it is the fact, this undertone of I just want to get the hell, I want to stop this. Anybody you know? else feel that? Uh huh. Look, rooms full of people who feel that, right. right? Right. So, so this is part of the 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 state of being human, right? Is that we our way of our our habit of reacting is we love what's pleasant and we hate what's unpleasant, right? And we ignore what's neither. And our practice, our Dharma practice, is really um, introducing us to the possibility that there may be another way of responding to these feelings of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Right? And so again, it's, the practice is not just a kind of sitting with, but really investigating these states, really investigating deeply what is this, what is this, what is this, and the wisdom that Abe talked about is really yours to discover, but you cannot discover it if you're not observing carefully. Okay, thank you. Thank you. My name is Jill, and hi, hi, thank you for being here. Thank Uh, you for being here. (laughs) So um, what I'm about to share is something that I'm working with, and it's deeply very personal, but um, I'm going through a major life transition upon uh, becoming a wife, getting married, and soon um, planning a big move out of New York. It's been eight years since I've lived here. And I'm trying to maximize my time here while I have it. And um, obviously, I'm so grateful for this sangha. But I find myself very burnt out living here, very fatigued all the time. And I feel that recently it's come to a head. My aversion to living here, it just, I feel it all the time in crowds and every moment where there's an opportunity just to take that pause and, and find that solace, there's just... I'm always, there's always a teacher, always a moment where I'm coming across the same pattern of aversion and this reactivity that I feel and then the judging of that reactivity that I still experience time and time again. And I'm deep enough in my practice to, you know, have that, you know, judging of what I should or shouldn't be doing or skillful thoughts and skillful action 
So it almost makes it worse because I'm mindful of everything. And that's all. So it just. So what's the question? <laughs> Thanks. I know that you're, this is going to be a difficult. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea. I'm feeling brave. Um, I guess just how to skillfully work with. New York as a teacher right now and just embracing this. So what do you do with the aversion when it comes up? Rain. I try to rain. Mm -hmm. I recognize it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel it in my body. It's always in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And then I, I recognize the judgment that comes from that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's even judging other people. Mm -hmm. oh, it's, mm -hmm. oh, the subway, this person, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. and then feeling guilty. <laughs> ah, that, you just—you didn't rain. You just—you and then you just went off, right? Because what's the, what are the other three? What what does AI investigate? Mean? Well, what does the A mean? What does the acknowledge a mean? it? Or accept. Accept. Mm -hmm. Ah, mm -hmm. we're having trouble with acceptance, are we? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So what's the problem with the aversive mind? I guess the, the discomfort that it brings up, is that what's the problem with it? Hmm. What's the problem? So the mind is aversive right now. Hmm. What's the problem? Just being compassionate towards that mind. Sorry? I guess the problem is lack of compassion towards that mind when it, when it arises. But the first thing is acceptance. Oh, yeah. the recognition. Mm. Oh, this is aversion. Mm. And, you know, so acceptance is you recognize it and you say, okay, right now there's something, you know, triggering this aversion. And then there's investigation, right? Well, how do you investigate? Sensations. Beautiful. So what do you mean when you say sensations? Where? Where is it in my body? So what's happening in your body and how you're feeling? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, because there's some way that you know you're aversive. So what's happening? What, and it's not that you're aversive, the mind is aversive. So what's happening that's triggering this aversion? And, and what's what's happening in your experience that you're describing as aversion, right? Because remember, words aren't the thing itself. So if you have, if you're, if you're in your mind saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I am aversive, those are just words. Those are not actually describing what is happening. So there's, there's contact with something, right? So you're seeing somebody in the subway, you said. So the eye has contacted a form, right? Mm -hmm. That form has in some way been triggered an unpleasant reaction. You feel it 
as unpleasant. That's mm -hmm. your that's the feeling tone mm -hmm. with which you receive this mm. this form. The eye has received this form. Mm. That too can be known. So mm -hmm. first, the contact can be known. Mm. The the fact that there's an eye door, the fact that there is an object out there, a form out there, that all of this is happening like that, and I mean, how does, this is, this is amazing, right? All that happened is the eye saw a form, and bang, right? What happens? There's a story, I hate them, right? Why don't they get out of my way? I'm, I'm late for work, doesn't everybody understand I'm late for work? And wow, oh, what's that? Oh, that's aversion. And so then you can turn to the aversion, what's happening in the body? What are the thoughts in the mind? What's the feeling? I just, so that's how you investigate, right? It's not just, oh, this is aversion, I hate it, what's wrong with you? I'm a practitioner, Why sh I shouldn't be aversive, I'm just stupid, I'm a, you know, I'm a failure at my meditation, and I knew I was never damn good at this, and this is a terrible practice anyway, and I think I'm gonna become a Christian again. <laughs> right? When in fact, there was, there's, you've actually been given the gift of a, of a framework, of a way of working with these, um, with these emotions, with these feelings, with these reactions, and, the, and you've been given this gift to, to stop suffering. So we can stay in the old reactive way, or we can actually do the practice. It's not just an idea. It's, an, it's actually a beautiful, amazing gift that we've been given that gives us a framework of how to work with everything that's happening in our lives. The joy, the sorrow, the pain, the love, the grief, the hate, the everything, everything. So, and then the, you know, what's the end mean in RAIN? Not identify with oh. it, which I, I do identify with. Yeah, so you know, so you, but again, you can notice that you're not identifying, that, that you are identifying, right? Without blame, without judgment, but with some discernment of, oh, it's possible to actually shift, shift, shift the way I experience this simple experience of going to work. <laughs> look, at, look at all that's happened. You haven't even got to work yet, right? And yet, all of this is happening. Aren't we amazing? And so, rather than um, simply saying, well, I'm aversive and what's wrong with me and I, you know, uh, you know, I may as well just get out of New York because it's making me so aversive. Well, New York isn't making you aversive. It truly isn't. It exacerbates it. New York is New York. But wherever you're going, I want you to write to me and tell me whether you're still aversive or not. You're right. Right? Or whether, ah, oh, now I've landed in L.A. I don't have to be aversive anymore. This is so great. Thank God I got rid of New York. Right? I mean, good luck with that.
you know, I want to know how you're doing with that when you get there, wherever you're going, right? Or, you know, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, or I don't know why I said that. But, you know, so we somehow, we think that we're going to take this whole body and mind and heart that's totally reactive, and we're going to put it somewhere else, and somehow, magically, it's not going to react anymore. Trust me, there are going to be people there. Trust me on that, right? So, so we, we, we work with this rather than with that because that is going to be what it is. We have no control over it. But we do have some way of working with this beautiful body, this beautiful mind, and this beautiful heart that, is, that may just be temporarily occluded. It doesn't have to be so. And we don't, and the non-identification is the recognition of that. That these are temporary visitors that are coming into the mind and heart. These are not concepts. These are for your use. For your use. Thank you. May your marriage be beautiful and long and don't get divorced. It's a very painful thing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so that's our program for the evening, but our celebration is about to begin. Um, and so I'd like to just sit for a moment and let and just reflect on what, what we've noticed in our own practice, our own personal practice, and whatever we've heard, if it's, please, if it's, of not, if it's of no use, you're very welcome to let it go. If it's of use, reflect on what is of use to you. And we remember that when we practice, there is a field of merit, we say in our Buddhist language, that is created by the practice that we do together and the, uh, the goodness that is created by our reflection. And instead of holding this to ourselves, we give it away. We uh, remember the preciousness of this human birth. And we remember our interconnectedness with all beings with whom we share this very small rock. And we send them wishes from our deepest heart for their well-being, for their peace and happiness and joy, for their health, their safety and for their uh, ease that they their struggle with the affairs of this life will be minimal and we dedicate the merit of the practice and the reflection that we've done to the benefit of all of our fellow beings 
having these deep wishes for their well-being. So thank you very much for your practice and for your attention. And I'm going to ask um, Sebene to come up. I'm going to ask John Aaron to come up. John is the chair of our board. And before John speaks, I just want to personally and publicly um, say to Sebene how much I love her. That's the first thing. And how grateful, I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone here, how grateful we are for your talent for your care, for your intelligence, which is deep, broad, and profound, and for all of the ways in which you have so taken care of New York Insight and all of us who are here. I'm deeply grateful, and I sure, I'm sure I speak on behalf of everyone here. And I have a really small gift for you, but you know, big, good things come in small packages. They're kisses from President Obama. He's in there. He's in there. You're welcome. So thank you so much. And of course, we wish you such total success and great joy and happiness in your life. And, and we know that this is going to be, I can't wait to see what you do because I know it's going to be spectacular. Thank you. So um, the first thing is, uh, I didn't ask you this, but I'm assuming that when you started three years ago, the level of our membership was relatively small. And, and since uh, Seb has taken over, our membership is now at about 300, is that what it is? Um, so this is like just an example of the strength of her commitment and her, her commitment to building Sangha. Um, and so <clears throat> the new membership campaign, which uh, sort of grew out of a number of conversations and for which you'll see these little placards around and actually some of the people on those placards are sitting right here in front of me, which is kind of cool. This new membership campaign is to really expand that even more, and, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be great tonight to like have all the, you know, people who aren't members become members on behalf of Sebene? So, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just putting that out there, and we can have, um, and and two other, you know, just um, there are benefits to membership, but but just two right now that I'll mention is that new members get this really cool T-shirt which will be available soon. And old members will get that T-shirt as well, but only after the new members get it. But even more, that we have two um, really uh, significant, uh, or one board member and, and another donor who have offered to donate an additional $20 for every new member. So basically, if we get 100 new members, we'll have another $2,000 on top of that. 
Um, and there are other benefits too, but I just wanted to, because 7A has been so instrumental in really developing the membership, which is really key to the growth of this organization, um, that I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and on behalf of the board and all the teachers, many of whom are here, as uh, Gina pointed out, we know that um, as executive director, you haven't exactly had time to take extended retreats. And that's one of your plans starting next month and also in January. She's going on six-week retreats starting in the middle of June and then hopefully to South Africa in January, right? So we, we managed to uh, collect some Donna to support your retreats. And I'm going to offer this to you now. Um, and uh, it was really a, a pleasure to sort of see all this come in and, and know that it was going to you. And uh, um, <laughs> what was funny is that I, I went to the bank to sort of have a, a check written. And I don't know why, but banks these days are really picky about like, I could have gotten cash, like no problem, you know, just put it. But when you're getting a check written, they ask you all sorts of questions, and including like what it's for. So I wrote down, I said, gift. What kind of gift? <laughs> I said, retirement gift. Even though it's like, I couldn't say a resignation gift, you know, because you're not resigning, you're just transitioning. I should have said transition gift, but I wrote retirement gift. But the good news is she's not retiring. She's not leaving in New York, at least at the moment, as far as I know. And you will remain here as a teacher after you've taken some time off. So we love you and... We're going to miss you, but we know you'll be here. So, And I know I could like pass this mic around and we could all say wonderful things, but you can do that afterwards. We don't want to embarrass her. So, so please join us for some refreshments and some cake and all of that good stuff of tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.